The 0-2, ball game. 102, and the stare from Chapman. 9-6 the final, a six straight win for the Yankees. You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. We are now into August of the Yankees season and all things are going smooth. What's going on, Sam? Steve, I'm doing very, very well because when the Yankees are playing well, I'm doing well. Currently, the New York Yankees are the only team in Major League Baseball that does not have 40 losses. They are 73 and 39. They are at their highest watermark of the season, 34 games over 500 on a six-game winning streak. And I was looking back to this past weekend last year, the Yankees suffered a bone-crushing four-game sweep at the hands of the Boston Red Sox. And that is exactly the favor that they returned on that same weekend this year. It was officially a three-game set. They made up one of the games when the Red Sox were here the first weekend of June. But anyway, they returned the favor, and oh boy, are the Red Sox buried. They are closer right now to fourth place in the division to the lowly Blue Jays than they are to first place. They got to the Bronx on Thursday night. Series opener was Friday, and they were 10.5 games out of first, and now They are 14 and a half games out. You go back at the end of play last Saturday when the Yankees lost the first three games at Fenway Park. The Red Sox got as close to eight games out. And now with 14 and a half out, with only three more head-to-head meetings against the Yankees this year, the Red Sox hopes for the division are all but done. And their wild card, uh, Hopes have taken a major, major hit, and that's all at the hands of the New York Yankees. Unbelievable play this weekend from everybody, and tonight included against the Baltimore Orioles. Steve, it's a new guy every single game. It really is remarkable. And it's 100% true, as the Yankees now are sitting comfortably nine games up on the Tampa Bay Rays here. I think you said 14 and a half on the Red Sox, hoping to get their first AL East crown since 2012. It's been a long time. Um, but he said a new guy up all the time. But let's start this podcast off with possibly no new guys. As the trade deadline happened last week, we recorded, try to mention who we both thought was going to happen. You wanted Stroman or you, I wanted Bauer. And there's all these other back and forth of who the Yankees possibly could get here. And then silence from the Yank- Brian Cashman and the Yankees. Absolutely no moves happening. Uh, big, big shock there. Um, Cashman says sometimes the price doesn't fit, and um, you got to live with that. No moves. A lot of other moves did happen. Biggest surprise move is the Astros getting Zach Grinky here. Um, we had the Bauer going to the NL here, there. But, Sam, how did the Yankees not make a move? And they also haven't lost since the, the trade deadline here. So is it going to come back and bite them? It's, it's going to be a tough call to see uh, at the rest of the year here. Steve, I'm going to start off by saying one thing. 
with the high I've been riding over the Yankees sweep over the Red Sox this weekend and how well they've the played overall, I mean, six straight wins since the trade deadline, I honestly forgot that they didn't make a move. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's easy to, cause you, there, there were, um, it looked like a very quiet deadline for a while. Then there kind of was a little flurry at the end, but when you don't, when you don't lose, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, you know, everyone still kind of called the Yankees the biggest loser, not getting, um, another arm here. But as we're going to talk about a little bit later, there could be a nice, uh, flux of arms coming back that are their own Yankees here and could be their own kind of, you know, August trades, but, uh, still, still shots. Like I thought, you know, um, they could have made a move with with Cincy for for Tanner. Uh, I thought there was going to be at least one low level move. I mean, they did trade Joe Harvey for another minor league pitcher, but um, I'm okay with Cashman not overpaying, but still shocked. Like I thought, Robbie Ray would definitely be on the move. Um, and then we saw the price tag was beyond through the roof for Robbie Ray. Um, it was Clint Frazier, um, Clark Schmidt, plus at least two more. I mean, that, that, that price range for, for Robbie Ray is an automatic turndown. And if that was the price for, for Ray, then the prices for everybody else were too high for the Yankees. And it seemed like maybe teams just didn't want to give the Yankees more pieces and they'd rather help other teams. Um, because, it, you know, I thought the Yankees could have made a better offer for Stroman. Um, there was some talk there about, you know, even Brian Cashman mentioning Dallas Keuchel, that if he really wanted to be a Yankee, he would have been a Yankee and returned his phone calls. So that interesting kind of... Um, evil empire versus the MLB here that we'll never know the true answer to. But in today's days and age, it's easy to speculate that other teams just were going to make the Yankees overpay than all other teams in baseball, which kind of sucks for us, but it might be understandable given the, the Yankees reputation. Yeah, it was just so, so shocking in the moments leading up to four o'clock on Wednesday. I mean, I, I opened my article last Wednesday recap of the trade deadline or top Thursday. That, I, I mean, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. There was just nothing coming to fruition for Brian Cashman's front office. And when you look at the whole board of pitchers who are available, I'm not making excuses for him uh, per se, but Stroman, they didn't want to give up Davey Garcia. And I'm going to comment one thing about how Cashman didn't give up uh, Davey Garcia, the top prospect of the Yankees. People were labeling Cashman as a prospect hunger for not giving up Garcia. This guy just traded his then number one prospect, Justice Sheffield, for James Paxson this past winter. He gave up three key guys for Sonny Gray two summers ago. Now, the guys he gave up for Jay Half, Billy McKitty, and Brandon Drury, per se, not, weren't really valuable assets for the Yankees, but to call him a prospect hugger is just so, so wrong. And that was one thing I wanted to say. Two, I saw a report from Jim Bowden of The Athletic that the Indians did not want to trade Bauer right. to an American League contender or even someone that they would face in the World Series. So, I mean, that crosses Bauer off for the Yankees. And then for, for Granke, that was just a punch in the gut announced several minutes after the dead, after 4 p.m. went by. We talked about it last week. Zach Granke is a weird dude. The, the Yankees were on his no-trade list. Mark Feinstein, and, 
of MLB Network came out and said that he would not have waived his no trade clause to come to the Bronx. He talked with people who were who were in Granky Circle. What I was really surprised about, though, is that the Yankees didn't shoot for maybe a mid-level guy. You mentioned Robbie Ray. Uh, his ERA is close to four this year in the juice ball era. That that's not hateful, but I mean. Clark Schmidt, Quinn Frazier, plus two for the rest of this year and next year for Robbie Ray. Maybe if he had another year of team control after 2020, the Yankees would have entertained that. I don't know. But I'm surprised they didn't go into the Jordan Lyles or Tanner Rourke category to kind of get some back end of the rotation guys to stabilize that because – We've talked about it a lot. Not only did the Yankees need help in the rotation just because of underperformance of their own guys, and I mentioned this in my article, Tanaka, Paxton, and Hap have all underperformed in some way, and that's the Yankees' first problem, no matter if they got a starter or not. Their own guys who they are expecting to pitch well and who are good pitchers aren't performing up to the level that they're expected to. And we talk about it, I went off topic a little bit there, but we talk about Domingo Herman's innings. And I was driving into New York to the train station on Saturday, I had it in the work. And Susan Waldman was on the Yankees postgame show with Sweeney Murdy. And she was saying that she thinks the Yankees are going to start limiting Herman around 140, 150 innings. So if Severino doesn't come back, and he's thrown off the mound on Thursday, I believe. The Yankees are going to have to eat innings in Herman's spot in the rotation. And like I said, they didn't even shoot for one of those mid-level guys like Lyles or Rourke. Yeah, and then there was even the um, Aaron Sanchez deal. I mean, he's had a really rough year, and he, but he, a couple years ago, he was a guy that was up there for possible Cy Young consideration, and he also goes to Houston. So the Aaron Sanchez, and they got um, a reliever in that deal too. That was a kind of deal that I went under the radar and felt like a Cashman-esque deal to me. Like, I think that's going to work out pretty well for Houston. Um, so yeah, they got Grinky. If the Yankees were able to pull off kind of the, 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 the Sanchez deal there too, I'd feel a little bit happier. I mean, they didn't really give up much, too. They gave up uh, an outfielder in Derek Fisher, um, who once was a highly rated prospect. Uh, semi reminds me a little bit of a of a Clint Frazier, but who has not met any expectations. Um, where kind of where Clint has come up and played well, um, Frazier kind of hasn't really done that for the Astros. So they it's kind of a a low risk move for both teams, um, but I think one that would pan out well for Houston. I think Houston did great at the deadline. Um, I think the Indians did great at the deadline. They got a spark plug in Puig. I mean, I, I, you know, getting Puig into a possible playoff contention here is one of the best things for baseball. I mean, look what this guy does all the time. Just creates excitement. And then the, the trade and the, and the fight at the end was just an unbelievable end to there, too. So there definitely was excitement for, for the trade deadline. But all was quiet for the Yankees' front. And, if you, you know, like you mentioned, Cashman has traded big players. And you didn't even get to the um, – the 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 Frazier Robertson and and Canley deal Yankees gave up some big arms there and they gave up uh, Break uh, Rutherford who at the time was considered one of the you know still in low A ball for the Yankees but a very you know highly rated prospect amongst a bunch a bunch of teams and kind of surprised that he was moved so early in his kind of Yankee career 
So, like you said, Cashman makes the moves and does give up the prospects if he thinks it's worth it. So, I'm going to side with him here that it's not worth it. Um, you know, in the past, you know, he, you know, and Duhar for, for Garrett Cole, plus whatever else, he felt not worth it and passed on there. And, yeah, that's come to hurt us in the ass. You know, passing on not eating Verlander's money, hurting us in the ass. And the same, you know, if the see it happens with Aaron Sanchez here. Like you said, Grinky wasn't coming to New York no matter what we did. But it seems like we're lining up for a Astros-Yankees um, battle of the, the bats versus the, versus the arms here. And in the past, the arms have won. So the world has given the Strohs a uh, early favorite now to, to make it to the World Series. But you said the Yankees are going to keep winning here. So we talk about the games now, too. It's, you know, the trades are the trades, but in the end, you got to play the games. And the Yankees haven't lost since they made no trades. So can't be too upset at the moment. Still some starting pitch, pitching issues, but let's start with the one good thing. And Domingo Herman, 14-game winner. I don't think we'd ever thought we'd say that. You mentioned his inning limits. He's over 100 now. So based on good old Susie's math, we got 40 innings to go. I think that's a little high. I think I would start limiting him around 125 and make sure he's got enough innings for, for a long playoff run if needed. But in the end, a, a nice performance with, with seven innings um, and some great length that the Yankees needed versus the Red Sox. Yeah, seven innings. I think the last time a Yankee starter went seven innings before Saturday was when Obama was in office or something because, I mean, it's been so long. And he just has everything working for him. I saw a stat or I heard it on the radio. This season, Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez are 0 for 20 against Domingo Herman. He has been getting Martinez to chase that slot, that breaking pitch down and away in every time I've saw him pitch against the Red Sox this season. And like you said, he gave the length out of this, his spot in the rotation. And what impresses me so much about Herman is his focus. You see him pumping his chest to end the sixth inning, you know, getting the crowd all fired up. What does he do? He comes back out for the seventh inning and goes one, two, three. Gives up a solo shot. No worries. He gets the rest of the hitters out in the inning. His focus for a 26-year-old who hasn't been up in the MLB all that long is what really stands out to me. And Aaron Boone said after Saturday's game, despite the innings limit that's going to be put on him pretty soon, he is going to have a role for this team in the playoffs. In a perfect scenario, I envision Luis Severino coming back. I'm not sure how long the Yankees are going to extend Severino, given that he throws so hard for a starting pitcher. You know, and he's been dealing with the latch strain and a couple other things this year. In a perfect world, I in a playoff series, I envision Severino getting a turner through a turn or two through a team's lineup. And then Domingo Herman also getting a turn or two. Maybe they each pitch three innings. They each pitch one pitches four, one pitches three. But that's the scenario I envisioned for Domingo Herman in the playoffs. And like like I said, or like Aaron Boone said, he's going to have a role on this team in the postseason. Yeah, and again, the wins don't matter type thing for starting pitching, but. Um... He's probably going to hit that innings limit before he gets to the end here. But if he goes on a hot streak right here, we're talking about Domingo Mon, Herman possibly being a 20-game winner. I mean, that's just flat-out ridiculous. I mean, he's tied with it. He's got 14, which is lead tied for the AL here. 
Um, but 20 wins for Domingo Herman. I don't care what you care what you say about the win here. That's impressive <laughs> as hell. And yes, he's gotten a ton of run support, um, especially early in the season. But but really showing his mark and, and the confidence that you mentioned too. It was going into this year. I think both of our big notes were Herman. If he's going to be stay in the rotation, because that wasn't even a guarantee. He needs to you know not nibble around the edge. Be confident with his pitches. And they're just moving. That off-speed stuff is off the charts this year. Um, and it's really been a, a huge success for the Yankees on the mound. Um, also on the mound and also did well versus the Red Sox, James Paxton. Gave up two in the first um, on, a, on a J.D. Martinez home run. But then six strong innings. Six strong innings, two runs. That's a quality start for James Paxton. Got to 100 pitches, six strikeouts, which is kind of a low number for him. But but overall, um, a good performance from Paxton. Eventually, we got to figure out these first inning rows. I think it's got what twelve home runs in the first inning this year. It's uh, it's ridiculous because after the first inning, most games he's he's kind of cruising here. And but overall, good sign for Paxton, which was the opening game uh, versus the Red Sox here. After the Red Sox put a beating on the Yankees um, in Boston here to come back and say you know we didn't make any moves to the deadline. And James Paxton gives a good performance for starting pitching. Another big, uh, big need for the Yankees. Yeah, and he had to give up the JD Martinez two-run home run in the first inning, and I thought, you know, here we go again. Uh, can Paxton handle this? He's just been so inconsistent since he's come back from that knee injury. But I mean, he bounced back so nicely. Five scoreless innings the rest of the game. You know, six innings, two earned. I mean, I'll take that any day of the week out of any starting pitcher. And like you said, Steve, we have to figure out these first inning woes. Is ERA in the first inning is over 11? And then for the rest of the game, it's just over three. I mean, I don't know what's going on here, but in a playoff game, I don't want this to cost the Yankees because he gives up a two-run shot or a three-run shot to – you know, open the game to Correa or Altuve in the first inning of, a, of an ALCS game. The Yankees are facing Verlander or Granke on the other side. Oh, I mean, that could be the game. And you say that the offense, oh, the offense has to pick them up. And I mean, that, I mean, runs are just so precious to come by off a pitcher like that the Astros have. I mean, really, the rotation is absurd. Wade Miley is, too, the, their fourth starter who is at one of the best seasons of his career so like you said they have to figure out the first inning woes and I don't think they'd go as far as to using an opener for him but I mean if you're gonna try something these first inning home runs they can't keep happening but he opened the series very well on Friday night and Glaber Torres with the grand slam in the bottom half of the inning and we'll get to Glaber don't worry (laughs) that's all the runs the Yankees needed in the opener. And he, I mean, that was a, the biggest, maybe it's an exaggeration to call it the biggest game of the Yankees season to date. And he came out there and, you know, he cost a gem and it, it was great to see. So he, he lived up to the hype for, for one night on Friday I need to see three or four good starts in a row out of this guy, though, Steve. I mean, we've seen spurts all year. I need to see some consistency right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, this is the first Yankee game the Yankees have won that James Paxson started since June 26th versus Toronto. So that is 
you know, six straight losses the Yankees had before before this Boston win. And at the same to go to your point here, a lot of these games he's he's given up that early run. You know, it was versus the Mets, both games versus Tampa, versus Colorado. Like all these games have given up first inning runs, and the Yankees bats sometimes are deflated. They're losing games. I mentioned last week, they're losing games 4-2, 2-1, 5-4. These are, you know, if you get rid of those first inning runs and they don't let the, the, the opposing pitcher get a little excitement saying that he knowing he's coming out to the mound with, with a lead, it, it kind of changes the complexion of a game. Um, so I think we need to make sure to do that with, with Paxton. Because what at the same way here, if Glaber doesn't hit that home run and it's 2 nothing after the first inning, you're thinking to yourself, okay, two runs, the Yankees can come back and pick that up. But unfortunately, with Paxton on the mound the past few times, the Yankees haven't been able to close that gap to even tie the game. So um, to just not put himself in a hole and not put the offense in a hole, it's got to be just a, a mental thing for both sides here to, to for, for the bats and for Paxton. So let's get rid of that. Let's see what he does this week. But but still a much nice, much needed, you know, final five innings from Paxton um, there for the for the win. You mentioned Glaber Torres. We got to talk about Glaber Torres. One People wanted him in trades, which is hilarious. And Brian Cashman should have laughed in their faces. And two, he kind of proved everybody right by just hitting the cover off the ball. First, the Red Sox. He had the grand slam. He had two home runs in one of the doubleheader games. Um, little injury scare on Sunday night. But shows right back up and uh, didn't, do, didn't do much today, in the, but in the lineup here. Um, Gleyber Torres has been a consistent part of the Yankees lineup and a maybe one of the, uh, behind DJ Mayhew, one of the MVPs on this team, and putting up never-before numbers. He's joined, Every time he's hitting a home run, he's joining the likes uh, of Lou Gehrig and Alex Rodriguez. He's got a chance to hit 30 home runs and have a OPS uh, above 125. That's only been done less than 10 times um, at his age in Major League history. So these are some pretty historic stuff from Gleyber Torres, um, and he's just he's an absolute joy to watch. He really is. And Steve, uh, on our first podcast of the season, way back in March. I know what you're I saying, said, it and you're right, Sam. Say it. You said it. <laughs> I said we could be talking about Glaber Torres as a top 10 player in baseball by season's end. And even though he might not be top 10, he's damn near close to it, especially playing premium defense at two positions for the Yankees, providing Aaron Boone with so much versatility. And like you said, he was hitting the cover off the ball this weekend. And he went 0 for 5 in the first game, the doubleheader on Saturday. And he bounced back with two home runs in the nightcap. I mean, you just love to see it. And this guy is, like you said, such a joy to watch. We passed the three-year anniversary of – since the last episode we passed – or no, we've had one episode since it, uh, since the Chapman trade that brought Torres here and – Way back during that time in 2016, the Yankees had the choice of three players from the Cubs. It was Glaber, it was Eloy Jimenez, and it was Ian Happ. Well, I really, really think they made the right decision there, despite how good Eloy Jimenez has been for the White Sox and his power. Ian Happ has been up and down this season at Triple-A. And Torres has been an all-star two times at age 22. So it just goes to the testament, <clears throat> excuse me, of how good Brian Cashman and his front office have been in player evaluations. 
And that goes all the way from stars like Torres and LeMayhew down to guys who have acquired like Hawkman or, or, or Shella. How these cast-offs that these teams don't want anymore are coming to the Yankees and putting up huge, huge numbers. So the evaluation in the Yankees' front office, I mean, those guys should take a bow because they have gotten so many players here over the last five seasons that hopefully are going to be playing a huge part in bringing title number 28 to the Bronx. But like you said, Gleyber Torres is becoming one of my personal favorite players to watch. And his swing, how quickly he gets the bat through the zone. Steve, that grand slam on Friday night had an exit velocity close to 6,000 miles an hour. I mean, it was out of there in less than a second, it felt like. so. And he's gaining, you know, huge experience being up here at this age. I mean, he's already played in the playoffs one time. He had some jitters. He struggled in that series last year in Boston. But to be getting this experience with this group and to be shining like a star at this age, I'm looking for 25 to be in Monument Park in 20 years when I go for that ceremony. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's the ultimate goal here. And, and he's doing it big time. He's absolutely crushing the Orioles. We know that. Now you can add the Red Sox to that list. He's just doing doing damage to the Red Sox and the AL East here. So, I mean, that's what you need for a, a key player here. And and obviously teams are going to ask for him. But it's the, the, Gleyber Torres is completely untradeable. As you said, playing premium, um, you know, middle infield positions here, but putting up numbers that are usually left for right fielders or, or third basemans, uh, you know, not for shortstops and not for second basemans. I don't care what you what you do to the balls here. The um, you know, coming up, Gleyber Torres was possibly going to have fifteen to twenty home run potential if he increases his power, increases his launch angle. Comes over, gets into the Yankees system, boom, we're talking 35, 40 home run potential now too. Yeah, the ball's got a little bit to do with the two, but this guy is coming up and he's exceeding expectations of someone who was a top 10 prospect at the time of the trade and, and a huge, huge get from the Yankees at, at the time for, for the rental of cash of, um, of, of Chapman. Um, the injury scare was nervous. Going to the hospital with core pain, um, it kind of just seems like, I don't know, it kind of just seemed like he had like a, a weird case of gas or some shit because he was like, oh, no, I'm totally fine. I just felt a little awkward in my stomach. But went to the hospital, but uh, not ideal, but in the lineup, as we said, tonight in the victory. Sam, we got to talk about the people not in the lineup. This this Boston series was phenomenal, but it could cost the Yankees uh, big time. Edwin Encarnacion hit on the wrist, that worst spot ever. You knew it as soon as it happened. You're like That's going to be a broken bone. We saw it last year with Aaron Judge. Big, big loss there because uh, the, the Parrots been heating up even before that. Luke Voigt going on with the sports hernia that could require surgery. Um, I, I didn't hear anything this weekend about Luke Voigt. I thought we might. Um, so the two of them, now we got first base kind of wide open and, and with a position that was so deep five days ago. Um, and then Aaron Hicks. We'll get to Aaron Hicks. Let's stay at first base here. Two two tough injuries with Voigt and, uh, and Eddie going down. It seems like every year, and going back to the Erod days too, the Yankee gets hit on the wrist and miss, misses six or seven weeks. I mean, it happened to Granderson. It happened to A-Rod. Last year, it happened to Judge. And now it happens to Edward Encarnacion. 
it, it's just so scary that pitch that goes up and in and boom. I mean, it's the quickest injury you get in baseball, I say. I mean, and, and it just takes one pitch right up on the wrist. Uh, they say it's a hairline fracture. And Carnacion was saying it could be three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. But Steve, I'm, I'm expecting six to eight weeks here, realistically, uh, which could put him in September or October. Yeah. Because you, you never know with these wrists. They told us three to five weeks on Judge last year, or three or four weeks. He was out almost over 50 days. So I'm not expecting to see Edwin until late September. And then you, you have Luke Voigt going on with the sports hernia. They said he was going to take a week to decide whether he was going to get surgery. And surgery would put him at six weeks. And let's say when this episode comes out Tuesday morning that he decides to get surgery on Tuesday and he has it on Wednesday, six weeks without looking at a calendar, that puts it at about September 15th or 16th, something like that. There may not be minor league games going on right then and there for, for a rehab appearance. So the her- the hernia is, excuse me, very confusing, but we'll know more this week, I think, about Voight um, getting the surgery, if he does or doesn't. A lot of people are asking about Greg Bird. He, he's not doing baseball activities no. now, I believe. Uh, Done. Nice. I, I wonder where his physical whereabouts are, honestly. I, I wonder if him and Ellsbury hang out down in Tampa or something together. They go out for beers or something. And I, I have no clue, but I have not seen Greg Bird in quite some time. But, Steve, I said in the beginning of the show – it's about the next man up for the Yankees. I mean, that's that team's mantra all year. Boone mentioned about the next man up uh, after after Saturday's doubleheader sweep. Mike Ford with the go-ahead game-winning home run tonight. I mean, like I said, it's someone new every night, and the Yankees are down to their fourth first baseman, their fourth string first baseman right now. And what, what does he do? He hits the go-ahead home run in the uh, – Seventh or eighth inning tonight, uh, just unbelievable to see. Like I said, how I say it's a new guy every night, and Ford was the guy tonight. But we'll see where these injuries go. But I mean, for Voight and Edwin, we're we're getting close to them maybe not coming back until there's ten to fifteen games left in the season, which is a pretty frightening thought. Yeah, that's exactly it. And Edwin and, and Encarnacion was really starting to swing the bat. In the second half of the year, uh, coming back from the All-Star break, he's hitting uh, 333 in 20 games with five home runs and 20 RBIs. Now, he's slugging um, over over 600 with an OPS over 1,000. This was this was Encarnacion the Yankees were hoping for when they when they bought low on him way before the trade deadline. So take you know, think about that. The Yankees didn't make any moves at the deadline like we all hoped. But they made it. They made what could be a very big move in Encarnacion before the deadline. So this injury really kind of kind of stings and takes away that that deadline move. I mean, he raised his batting average from two nineteen all the way up to two forty before he got hit um, in the doubleheader. So that, that is a loss. And he said it, to add that on top of Voigt, which was what two days beforehand or three days beforehand. Um, you know, the, the first base position was, was extremely deep because Encarnacion is mostly a DH the past few years. 
Um, can actually, he's got some leather on him. He's got some good moves out there in first base. Um, so we'll see Mike Ford. Mike Ford, another big boy. Mike Ford, uh, you know, skips salad day, but he, he hits a, he hits some dingers. Um, so we'll see how much time playing time he gets there. Um, I think he'll kind of be more of the backup role as DJ LeMayu, who will just, as he continually does everything for this team, will be the primary first baseman. Um, and then you kind of got to play around with the outfield for DH spots, um, which is more to that because um, who am I talking? Who came back? Who actually came back and didn't get hurt? Oh, Brett Gardner came back from the from the IL this week, only to have Aaron Hicks look like he absolutely blew out his arm on, on a throw to third that didn't even really result in a play here. So now the Yankees have that DH kind of spot rolling around. Um, but I'll be honest. Uh, I was not watching the game live, but then saw the Aaron Hicks throw and immediately was like, that's Tommy John. See you next year, Aaron Hicks. Um, so far, they've ruled out Tommy John, but I'm a little little nervous for Hicksy for the rest of the season. I'll believe they've ruled out Tommy John when, when I see him back in playing games because we've seen this too much with the Yankees. They said Edwin Encarnacion was fine after he got hit on the pitch with the wrist and then... The, the, the x-ray was negative and then only for Boone two seconds later to say, but he has a broken hand. Like, isn't that the point of the x-ray to figure out if he has a broken hand? I, I, I was very confused on that point. So I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I'm no doctor, but I mean, it's <laughs> it's just absurd. I mean, we've seen this with other injuries for the Yankees too. Uh, like when Clint Frazier rolled his ankle out in Anaheim earlier in the year, they said, oh, he, he's fine, fine. And then boom, 10-day IL the next day. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I wish they were straightforward with the fans about the injuries, but I mean, you can't get everything in life that you want. But like you said, Gardner back from the IL, uh, the Hicks injury on, on Saturday, I was listening to Boone's audio uh, for, from the press conference. It really did not sound good at all. Yeah. You mentioned that the throw didn't look good. The audio from Boone's press conference did not sound good in the slightest bit. I mean, I was really, really, really concerned. And you mentioned about the DH spot. How we're also going to have a revolving hole there with Encarnacion hurt and with Voight hurt. I'm not, and with Stanton still hurt. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I mean, Gary Sanchez was really slumping and getting worked hard when they acquired Edwin. He only got two games to DH since June 15th or, or the last six weeks or something like that before he was hurt. I want to see him DHing at least twice a week. And I know his defense has improved a lot and he has an absolute 10 in behind the plate. But the Yankees are going to need Gary's bat to win a World Series. So I want to see him DHing a little bit more. Not as an indictment uh, on his defense or something or not being able to block pitches. I mean, I think we've gotten past that. But I want him to be rested for October. So I think you're going to start to see Gary Sanchez getting some more opportunities at designated hitter. That's a good call. And and Gary um, has been running the bases, taking swings. He goes to his rehab Wednesday and Thursday, Thursday to Scranton. And then ideally will be in the lineup on Friday. Um, and then that's right. I think that's a good, good call there is, you know, have him play Wednesday, Thursday in Scranton and then Friday, put him at a DH and then kind of working back into catcher slowly. And that is sadly a benefit uh, of all of these injuries. Um, but Gary will be in a nice needed bat here. I mean, as much as fun as it has been, you know, some of these bottom of the order lineups have been ridiculous and even more absurd that they are producing. 
I mean, Mike Talkman now is about to play in his 50th game for the Yankees. He's got nine home runs on the year now. Uh, Gio Urshela, we could talk about for hours and how amazing he's doing and what he means to the Yankees. Took two scary foul balls off his legs in back-to-back pitches. There's got to be nothing more brutal than to be a player that to smoke a ball off your inner thigh, get up, get back in the box, and then crush your shin on the next pitch. I mean, even the players in the field and in the dugout were just like, they, they knew the pain there. But Gio stuck it out and then was even in the lineup again today. Um, and then also hitting an absolute blast off of uh, off the of Yankees' favorite, David Price, who just continues to, be, to struggle for for Boston and, and in Yankee Stadium. I mean, the rest of Price's career, they just got to avoid Yankee Stadium at this point because when Gio Urshela is taking you 460 feet, you, you know you just don't have it. To, you can't pitch in that stadium. <laughs> Yeah, and how about the Yankees, besides rocking price on Sunday baseball, which is just a tradition at this point, uh, how about how they've hit Chris Sale this year and how much Chris Sale has fallen off for the Boston Red Sox? Yeah. I mean, I know he was getting He's 5-11, the- I think, now. It's, you know, forget wins and losses, but you're paying 5-11 with always like- 4.80 RA. Yeah, it, it's crazy, and... You know, I know he was getting squeezed by the umpire on Saturday, but he just couldn't make any pitches, and he was getting everybody hitting off, was hitting off of him. Uh, Valera with the RBI single, uh, Mayhew with two home runs. I mean, everybody was just putting together really good at bats against him, and the Red Sox just signed him to a five-year, hundred forty-five million dollar extension. I'm not putting him down the drain right now. Because there have been some veteran pitchers who have had rough seasons and bounced back. Look at guys like Verlander, Tim Hudson. But, geez, I the Yankees have had sales number this year. I mean, he's 0-4 against them now. And really, it's it's been great to see as a Yankees fan. But really, I, I have no clue what happened to him because this guy used to dominate the Yankees. And now, you know, is a shell of himself in the Bronx. So the Yankees beat him two times in six days, too, which is very, very impressive. They, they, they've had their number. And, you know, something's definitely been off with Sale. He could be one of those players that just hasn't been able to fix the, the, the ball situation here. Um, you know, we kind of seen it sometimes with Tanaka, definitely Verlander complaining about it. Noah Syndergaard kind of complaining about it. So... Maybe it's one of those things and he hasn't made the right adjustments for it. I kind of hope it's the other that he's lost it and we got five years of this, but I, I'm not going to bury Chris Sale. He's, he's too good to to, to kind of figure it out. Um, mentioned Tanaka on the grip here. I don't know if you were watching the, or listening to the game tonight here, but he, he has tried out a new splitter grip to kind of, you know, uh, rebuttal this, you know, not being able to find the seams here. It looked like he it was working. He did the Diamondbacks uh, on Wednesday, too. He started oh, he? Okay, that was the, yeah. the day game. Yeah, so I missed that one. Uh, but it, it, the, the results in the early portion of the game uh, on Monday looked to be good. The, the splitter looked like it was moving pretty good. Got got roughed up in the sixth inning here and, you know, blew himself a chance for a win as the Yankees were able to recover. But um, it's good to see that he's adjusting here. Kind of right now, when he got a, when he got a nine-game lead, and a 14-game lead on the Red Sox, um, this is the time to kind of make those adjustments to see if you can get that splitter back to to what it is for playoff Tanaka because, you know, um, we know how good playoff Tanaka is, and if that if that splitter can come back to what it has been years past, that's a, a different pitcher on the mound uh, come October. 
Yeah, and I have confidence in Tanaka to uh, turn it around come October. He had a rough early go in 2017, and then, you know, really in had two of the most memorable starts for me in Yankees recent postseason history with, you know, coming back to the Bronx down 0-2 against the Indians and then throwing a gem in game five when the series was tied 2-2 against the Astros. But uh, like you said, it's a good time to start working on this. And when somebody as blunt as him comes out and says the ball is different, as he said at the All-Star game, and how it's harder and that the seams are lower, I believe him. And you mentioned some of the players mentioning that the ball is different. It really pisses me off how the MLB is running and hiding from this. I mean, I didn't think Manfred could be more of a coward than Bud Selig was, but he he was up there at the podium over the All-Star break. And when he was getting asked about the ball, he's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um Really, everybody is saying the ball is different. And then when you have guys like Jace Peterson going 430 opposite field tonight uh, off of Tanaka, it just further emphasizes the point that the the MLB is changing the ball. Right now, last week it happened. I'm not sure if I I mentioned it on last week's show, but in 2014, uh, or excuse me, in the year 2019, we already have more home runs than we did in all of the 2014 season. And we have two months to play in the 2019 season. I mean, and I'm not using stats from 1940 or 1950. Steve, that's a five-year difference. So I have no clue how complicit the MLB is in this. I have to think that they are very complicit. But either way, it's sad to see pitches like Tanaka splitter with guys hit like 190 off of before the season. And now guys are hitting the cover off the ball because he can't grip the pitch due to the MLB altering the balls. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a give and take because we kind of saw a Brett Gardner went oppo taco today you know, on Monday night and you know, fan only goes back to 2012, but that's the first opposite field home run in Brett Gardner's career. So the Yankees get some benefits for it. Um, both of Mike Talkman's home runs. Well, his first one was going to be it was going to be gone, but his second home run uh, was kind of a cheapie here too. So the Yankees have gotten some of the benefits of of the ball uh, being a little different here. But it is interesting. Uh, I don't know if you remember years ago uh, the NBA changed the ball and the players came out and were like, "This ball fucking sucks." And and then uh, I don't know if, who was the commissioner then, but it was just like, "All right, yep, sorry, I'll be." We're going back to the old ball. Sorry about that. And they just went back to the old ball and never got talked about it again. It'd be weird to see, um, like you said, if they come out and say, maybe they wait at the end of the year and be like, yeah, we changed the ball. This is the ball that's staying. We're using this ball for at least the next 10 years. Get over it. I think people would let it go. But the silence has kind of uh, kind of flipped it here. But like I said, yeah, it at least of, come out and say that you're using uh, another ball. I, I mean, don't, don't run and hide from it. I mean, yeah. if the ball's different, say the ball is different and, like you said, Gardner going opposite field. He, he's 35 years old, and now he's hitting uh, opposite field home runs. I mean, it, it's just absurd. So, like I said, I have no problem with the ball being juiced. Like, come out and say it. Don't run and hide from it. Yeah, yeah. One guy that we're going to give Crashman, Cashman a ton of credit for, but we'll give the balls a little credit for, has been uh, Mike Talkman. Uh, Mike Talkman is just absolutely, like I said, two home runs 
uh, on Monday night. It puts him at nine on the year. Entering tonight, he has he entering Monday, he had a two point two WAR. Um, he had a negative point eight WAR in his career before being traded to the Yankees. Now at a two point two WAR, going to Baseball Reference. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about why isn't Clint Frazier up, especially with all the injuries. Now you have the DH spot available, so you don't even need to put him in the outfield type thing. Some people saying it's because the Yankees are trying to hide his service time to make him more valuable for a possible deadline deal. Um, lots and lots of talk about Frazier, and I think the simple answer is players like Mike Talkman and Cameron Maben have made him just not need it. It's not a knock on Clint Frazier, but like I said, Mike Talkman, 2.2 war, only going to go up, so I'm going to get a 2.4 war uh, after tonight here in 58 games played, where Clint Frazier in 53 games played has a .4 war. So that's why Clint Frazier's not up anymore. And I've been an advocate of Clint Frazier on this podcast all season long. I still think he could use him here. But at the same time, if you've got us, if you're comfortable with your outfield of Gardner, Judge, and Talkman, and the numbers prove that that's a good outfield, and the numbers do prove it, then you don't need a fifth outfielder, even if you have the DH available. You might as well keep everybody fresh. Like you said, you know, with the Gary Sanchez um, playing DH here, it opens up a spot for him. It opens up a spot, you know, if Gio Urshela needs to play DH, like uh, on Monday, uh, Gleyber Torres was on DH because he got it because of a little bit of an injury. So uh, to turn it a little back into Clint Frazier, I would be very happy if he was here. I was glad the Yankees didn't trade him. They did not sell low on Clint Frazier. I still think they believe that he is could be a value to this team in the future, um, and it's quite honest. Like I, you know, Clint Frazier, like too bad he can't demand a trade. There's nothing the Yankees are gonna do if he demands a trade. They're gonna be like, all right, screw you, just sit in AAA. He's not that dumb. He's got he's got some some issues with them, but he is just simply not up because the Yankees don't need him. And I think if the Yankees do need him, he'd be up. And I think that's that's the end of the story here. I don't care how good he's playing there in AAA or how his kind of his numbers are, I thought he would have been called up um, instead of Talkman right before the London trip. Talkman has put me in a box and sent me away because he's played absolutely amazing since then. So it's a, uh, it's kind of crazy for it all, but I don't think the Yankees are trying to hide service time. Like I've seen a lot uh, on Twitter the past week or so um, at this point, there, there's no need to do that for Clint Frazier. Um, but also at this point, it kind of shows the Yankees do value him and didn't give him away in, in a dump of a trade. Um, they still kind of put a good value on him. So I think an interesting perspective of how good the Yankees outfield has been and how there still is a ton more depth in the outfield with Clint just kind of sitting there. Yes, yeah, Steve. Mike Talkman since July 4th, and this is from Katie Sharp, who is just unbelievable with these statistics. 438 batting average, five homers, 20 RBIs, 19 runs scored. I saw a tweet last week. Gary, uh, tonight's stats. Yes. Nice. Okay. That's what, those numbers are unbelievable. <laughs> I saw a tweet from Jared Diamond last week. He does a really good job of covering baseball at the Wall Street Journal. He's on a national beat right now. He said, "If the Astros call you about one of your guys, he, he tweeted this during the Aaron Sanchez. That's how he six no hit innings." Right. His first start with the Astros. He said, if the Astros call you about one of your guys uh, who's a pitcher and you uh, entertain their offer, he said, hang up the phone and figure out what you aren't seeing in this player that they Great are. Great call. 
And th- the same has to be said right now with position players and, and the New York Yankees. You look at Mike Falkman, you know, on a tear. I just read you the numbers since July 4th. Gio Urshela, a couple days after the Blue Jays and Yankees made the J-Hap trade in August, or in July of last year, excuse me, at the now extinct waiver deadline, uh, the Yankees got Gio Urshela for cash from the Blue Jays. Uh, so Talkman, Urshela, Cameron Maben, who is in the Indians minor league system, has just changed his approach totally at age 32. Uh, and he's up tearing the cover off the ball. So those three guys, really, how Jared Diamond tweeted about the Astros and their pitching. I mean, the same's got to be said about the Yankees and these guys. How you know Talkman or Shella and Maven just all castoffs in organizations. Uh, maybe a bit of a different uh, case. He's been a veteran for a pretty long time, but how. These guys have performed. It's just Luke Voigt, Voigt too. I I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. Um, And really, it's so, so cool to watch. You you mentioned Voigt, who's, you know, 28 years old. Talkman is 28 years old. So these are older guys that their organizations just gave up on them. And we've talked about Voight's situation in St. Louis, how the no DH thing kind of hurt him. And Giovanni Gallegos has been pretty, pretty good. He's got like a war of 1.3. He's been good out of their bullpen. Um, But really, it's been an unbelievable testament, like I said earlier in the show, to the player development of the Yankees, how these guys are coming here and playing major, major roles. Yeah. And I think I'm going to give um, Cashman a little credit for the pitching side of it, too, is, you know, he tried to trade Domingo Herman to the Mets for Jay Bruce not too long ago. Um, they kept him, but the Yankees were like, all right, well, we, we still like Domingo Herman a lot. It's, that's, that, that's, we'll take him. It's fine. The Yankees lost, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez Jr. to the Rule 5 draft to Baltimore. Pitched, you know, two games in Baltimore, and Baltimore sent them back. And then, you know, next year, boom. He's putting a decent role in for the Yankees. So those are two guys that um, the Yankees kind of got lucky on the other way. They were they were willing to give up on these guys, um, and then they they've been able to do it. So it's been these these smaller players here, you know, make fun of Cashman for taking on that that Stanton contract, but a lot of other players are, are really changing the way that this organization is run. And I, I completely agree with with that sentiment of if the Ast- if the Astros call you, hang up the phone. And I thought if Brian Cashman calls you, hang up the phone too. So. And then we're kind of seeing that a little bit from teams here. With Brian Cashman calls, you want the players that Brian Cashman refuses to give up. And that's where a no deal can get made. Even play teams that wanted Clint Frazier. You know, Brian Cashman still wants Clint Frazier. That means you're not getting him. That's because Cashman sees something in him. Um, so even when it comes to, to other trades here, like the, you know, the Clark Schmidt deal, you know, he hasn't he's gotten hurt, but uh, I don't know, a number one pick for the for the Yankees here. Yankees aren't going to trade up, trade a guy, then teams should need to trade harder for him. And the same thing for the Yankees and Astros. You got they're trying to create two dynasties here, and they both are are dominating the analytical aspect of it. Both are seeing something that other teams aren't seeing, which is pretty cool to to just kind of see about it. I would love to get an in-depth view of how these teams do it. You know, obviously they're going to hold on to their secrets, but it, it's good to see uh and good to kind of picture on too, is like that could be a huge uh, turn for Aaron Sanchez's career going to Houston. 
And look, look at the change. Luke Voigt has his career has changed going to the Yankees. So if you're um, no shock, but if you're kind of a stuck in the minors here, you're really hoping that the Yankees just find something in you and see if they can steal you from another team. Yeah, and like you said, the players that Brian Cashman refuses to give up, like uh, Davey Garcia, um, Clint Frazier, I mean, he, he really sees something in these guys, especially, uh, I mean, you know, Frazier showed it at the major league level already. Uh, Garcia, I, I thought he was going to be gone. Uh, I'll be honest. I thought he was being I thought both could be. I thought both could be gone. I was like, all right, you know, but Cash, Cash hold it on. We'll, we'll see if it costs us, though. I really think um, – I thought that David Davy Garcia was being hyped up to be traded, but, I mean, that clearly wasn't the case. The Yankees wouldn't even include him in a deal for Marcus Stroman. And Garcia, I mean, he started the Futures game. He's all the way up in double A right now. He's only 20 years old. They're it's even talking about – oh, that's that, – that, that is – He got moved up again. I, it's confusing to me because he's been at all three levels yeah. of, of, I mean, they're kind of fast tracking him. I mean, Cash people said are, he's on, he's on pace to come up to the big leagues if they need him by in September. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, they'd be foregoing forego- <laughs> the service time thing with that. Um, I'm really excited to see this guy. I mean, he, his location, I watch him in the futures game that he started actually and he was locating 94 95 right on the black to right-handed hitters on the outside corner so the yankees called up justice sheffield last year uh, to pitch in a game i want to see them call up davy garcia let's see let's see what he's got i mean dare i say make an impact in october too i mentioned that in my article last week so like cashman said i mean he could come up and that would be really, really cool. The Yankees brought up Severino in August of 2015. And like I said, they brought up Sheffield last year. So we'll see what happens. But I, I really thought he was going to be gone. I thought he was being hyped by the Yankees front office just so they could trade him. Honestly, uh, and I follow the Yankees farm quite a bit. I had no clue who Davey Garcia was until uh, June this year. He started in A-ball. You know, not, you, there's no need you should have known him at this point. He started in A-ball. A-ball is, is a long way away. For the competition there, if you're good, you, you shouldn't be in A-ball too long. And that, that proved to be the case for Garcia. Uh, starting to run a little long here, Sam. Let's get into the home run dingers of the past week. The Yankees did work on Monday night hitting five home runs. Brings their home run total up to 192. That's a 277 pace which would break their record, but they are still pretty far behind. Minnesota Twins got 217 home runs already. It's pretty crazy to see how high they might go. Uh, Dodgers with 290. Um, So Yankees are in second place now for the home runs in Major League Baseball. Gary Sanchez still got the farthest home run at 481. Gary and Edwin kind of still leading the, the, the Yankees way. Gary with 24 home runs for the Yankees and Edwin with a total of 20. Uh, sorry, a total of 30 overall combined with him and the Mariners here. Uh, Gary's coming back um, this week, so he might get a chance to kind of creep up on Edwin. Gleyber Torres putting some numbers up there, so we'll uh, we'll start to see uh, what he could do here. Aaron Judge, give a shout-out to him. It is 12th home run of the year. He's been a little low on the power numbers this year and even kind of made a comment about it saying it's time for him to start hitting some home, home runs 
and stop hitting singles here. And even more crazy, just how good he, he went 12 for 12 on opposite field home runs, um, which I'm totally fine with. I don't care where the hell the ball goes out as long as it goes out. But it's kind of interesting to see someone with that power hasn't gotten, you know, a, a slow curve that he's hit 500 feet and pulled it. But good for him for staying back of the ball. Still want him to make sure to put up a hot few months here and get to 25 home runs. Um, lots of Gleyber Torres home runs. Sam, you got a, a particular one? Kind of, I'm guessing one that we've already talked about today for the big home run of the week. Got to be the Papa Slam against the Red yeah. Sox uh, in the opening game. I mean, an absolute laser got out of there in such a hurry. Uh, that that's far and away the home run of the week for me. Uh, Mike uh, Mike Ford tonight, even the uh, yeah, yeah. Late, late edition, late edition Mike Ford, like uh, fourth string first baseman on the depth chart, and he, and he comes in and hits a laser to give the Yankees a seven lead after they blew a 6-1 lead would be disheartening to a lot of teams but the Yankees really bounce back there so Mike Ford making a little bit of a case there as well uh, and I know the games against the Orioles aren't, aren't as big as the ones against the Red Sox but I mean still a big home run for Mike Ford tonight but I'm going with Glaber's laser shot against um, against the Sox uh, Gio Urshela's Gio Urshela's home run on Sunday night an absolute shot out to the visitors bullpen in left center field that got the stadium bumping on Sunday night baseball. So those are my top three, but definitely the Torres home run grand slam takes the cake. Yeah. And with the Yankees five home runs in Camden yards today, they've had 32 home runs already versus the Orioles in Camden yards, which it, which is just, just bananas. Um, they still have more games to go. They could hit 40 home runs in Camden Yards this season alone. Um, pretty pretty crazy stuff here. Um, so keep tracking with the, uh, the hashtag NYHR tracker. Um, as I just mentioned, two more in Baltimore, and then four in Toronto who traded two of their best pitchers. So the Yankees got some serious opportunities to do some damage here. We, we know the runs are going to happen. So I'm kind of looking more for the starting pitching this week um, to kind of dominate some some shitty lineups instead of the runs. I'll take the runs for fun, but uh, the starting pitching is going to be my key for the next uh, look ahead to the week ahead. Me too. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to this week. Uh, I really think the Yankees should take these two in Baltimore and then uh, take three or four in Toronto. They're facing all-star John Means on Wednesday. A uh, bit of a good story was he had created a LinkedIn profile last year and then uh, is an MLB all-star this year. So means has been really, really good for the Orioles. So that'll be a tough test for the Yankees and especially this depleted lineup. But um, I'm looking forward to the rest of this week, seeing how the Yankees hit a guy with an ERA just over three. Um, but yeah, more home runs this week and more unexpected contributors. You know, the Yankees got RBIs from Valera and Ford tonight and Talkman. I mean, imagine saying to somebody on March 28th that on August 5th, the Yankees would get a two-run triple from Valera and a solo shot from Mike Ford and two home runs from Mike Talkman to drive in the majority of the game's runs. I mean, the season has just been so fun, and I just love how it's a new guy every night, and let's keep that going. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Paxton on the mound on Wednesday versus Memes. Uh, as you mentioned, that could be a good matchup for from a pitching standpoint. So looking forward to that one. 
And then uh, Hap returning back to Toronto. I think he's already pitched there this year. But either way, Hap back in Toronto. Uh, so those are the two guys we need to just kind of see settle down a little bit. Big stretch of games versus shitty teams for the Yankees. As you said, let's, let's, get, let's finish this week off here. Uh, Baltimore, Toronto, and then Baltimore comes back. So let, let's just keep this going, this streak going. Let's be, uh, let's be 40 games over by the time we record next Monday. 40. I love it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for paying attention and listening to uh, podcast and impinged rates on Gotham Sports Network. Check out Gotham SN for all things New York sports. We got our, our daily gambling section going live. Uh, so be sure to check that out if you're into that. Um, and watch me and Sam go back and forth as we try and uh, take the top spot in Gotham Gamblers. Um, and then also check out versus Yankees articles coming this week from Sam and myself. As always, we'll talk to you guys next week. Sam, have a good one. Doodles.